wow, this is a good group. Good to see you all. Good to have everybody online. Yeah, please, if you would. Um, over the last few weeks, uh, my business has been dealing with budgeting and plans for a new year and strategy and setting goals and all of that fun. And um, if you haven't noticed, it's a little bit of an uncertain environment right now, you know, counting on employees being in and counting on what's happening in the economy and different things like that. So um, I wanna just kind of give a revisit to the last few weeks, what we've been talking about. The first two sessions, I addressed all the things that I have a lot of comfort with. Uh, the first one is trying to plan in a world where you're predicting the future. And of course, none of the plans hold up. God tells us prepare. And so I, I, at that time, we talked about the fact that going from being a planner to a prepper, you know, is, is where God wants us to be. He has the plan. We've got to give it up. Let God do it. We just have to prepare to follow whatever he plans for us. The second one was fear, worry, stress, dread, anxiety. Again, one that I felt very qualified to sit here and present to you. Um, and, you know, we, we talked through those things and God's message that, again, you get nothing good out of fear and worry. In fact, it can cause a lot of damage, right? And then last week we got together and got to talk about hope. And it was just such a, it was such a relief for me as I was trying to prepare for these discussions is the sense to talk about something good for a change. Not that the others weren't good because you, you bring God into it, but just a message from the beginning through the whole discussion was on hope. And at that time I talked about the fact that hope is one of the few gifts that God has put in us that separates us from every other creation. You know, hope is not a, is something that is not proven by evolution. We should not, based on our experiences, hope for the good side. And yet we do. Even the most hopeless people hope for things to get better. And that's God's gift to each and every one of us. Hope for good, hope for better. So because we've had those three lessons, we're now all prepared for 2021 and we're all walking confidently. Right? We're ready. Bring it. Right? Um, and then I thought, what, what are my goals again for my team for 2021? And uh, I shared this with a couple of guys yesterday. That it's to make more money for the company. And I thought, that's, that's not really motivating, is it? And I started digging in a little bit more and trying to figure out where do you find something that makes a goal worthwhile? How do you set a vision? And I started digging into all these business people and the articles they've written and the guides they've given. And I found this one that I just want to share with you a little bit today, this, this model that kind of lays out, again, setting a vision, trying to establish where you're working toward. But if you're going to set a goal, it has to be bigger than, let's just make more money. Or, you know, I want to get up every day on time and get to work. That, that's not real. I mean, it'd be good, but it's not necessarily something that's going to motivate us. It has to be bigger, more tangible, and especially if you're going to ask a team to step around you, you better give them something beyond responsibility. You've got to give them purpose. And uh, when Keith approached me and we were talking about walking into 2021, because 2020 has been generally less than what most of us expected, 
Um, but there's been blessings through all of that. But as we look to 2021, what is it? What's it gonna be? What do I do to prepare for it? And uh, I told my wife I was gonna make a reference to The Office. And she was like, what, what episode? What are, you gonna, what are you gonna talk about? But those of you that are Office watchers, the episode's called Scott's Tots. Do y'all know? Oh, yeah. There's the moan. There's the moan. That's what everybody skips. Everybody skips it, right? And why do we skip it? Because it's just cringy. And you, you all know the story. Michael Scott visits little kids. He promises them he will pay for their college education because he figures, again, being very hopeful, I will be a multimillionaire by then. I'll be able to do it. And it didn't happen, right? So you just, you ache for this innocent person, this, just what he hoped to do. What's interesting is this is based on a true story of what happened in 1981, a guy named Eugene Lang. And he went back to public school 121 that's in East Harlem 50 years after he had gone to school there. And he was gonna go in and talk to graduating sixth graders. And his speech was, work hard and you'll succeed. That's what he was gonna say. And the principal, as she was walking with him over to the podium said, well, the sad thing is three quarters of these students will never graduate. And he thought, I can't just tell them to work hard. So he started his speech and he starts talking about Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream. And he starts going to this and he's urging the kids, find your dream, find what you're marching toward. And he said, I will pay for all of your college educations if you graduate high school. So what's interesting is you fast forward ahead by 1985, all of them were still in school and he started realizing that that motivation, what impact it had, and he started the National Dreamers Foundation and he started these programs all over the country. It's called I Have a Dream Foundation and he wanted to start these. And of that original group, 90% graduated high school. Three and a half times the average of what it had been before. 60% of those went to get higher education. And thanks to his promise, there have been over 200 different I Have a Dream programs all over the country. It says 18,000 dreamers have found their way to and through college because of this one guy in this one moment setting that foundation. Not the Michael Scott story, this guy, <laughs> Mr. Lang. They've had, some of the first ones had children of their own. They said they've gone on to become doctors, actors, social workers, diplomats, and all moving forward. They all had a purpose. It wasn't a responsibility. It wasn't a task. It wasn't work hard. It was, here's what you're working toward, right? And I went back to the definition, and it says a purpose is an object to be reached a target, an aim, a goal, a responsibility is something for which you're accountable or answerable. It can be a heavy burden, a duty, obligation, or liability. All those words are not real motivating, right? But when you're talking about purpose, you want a clear goal. You want to set a finish line of something you want to reach. I found a few quotes I wanted to share with you. Frederick Buchner, 
I, I tried to say that right, so forgive me. Purpose is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's needs. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in life are the day you were born and the day you discover why. I like that one. Viktor Frankl said, nothing is more likely to help a person overcome or endure troubles than the consciousness of having a task in life. Wayne Dyer says the purpose of life is to know God. That one's pretty simple, isn't it? And lastly, T.B. Joshua said the purpose of life is to glorify God in both good and hard times alike. I've had fun this week going up to different people just randomly saying, what's your purpose? I got a few Sunday school answers. It was, you know, Jesus, you know. It's it's safe, but good, right? And so I, again, went back to one of the business books, and I tried to look online, and I found out there's this Japanese term called ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I. It's not ikigai, but it's ikigai. And it's a process where you start evaluating your purpose. And the word actually translates means a reason to live or your life's purpose. And I put in the handout a Venn diagram. I think that's called a Venn diagram when you have the overlapping circles. I'm getting nods. And it creates this common ground between what we love, what we're good at, what the world needs, and what we can get paid for. Okay, and if you look at that, and and we'll have it online, you know, what you love and what you're good at flows into what your passion is. And you kind of go through this process and you spend time to build from the outer rings, working your way in to identify what is your life's purpose. And this is a very detailed process. There's a lot of people who go around talking about this process and educating and training. And they say, after you do this initial review, This is just the start of a process. It takes time to develop and figure out your purpose vocationally. And once you set out and lay out the initial groundwork, then it says um, you start looking at self-review, asking yourself questions. And this is where I think it starts derailing a little bit. It talks about this sense of self and you can get a sense of autonomy and an understanding of what you do. it doesn't separate beyond the plane. You know, it's here, if we look at it, it's, it's an image on a piece of paper and it's a singular plane. There's nothing spiritual about it. There's nothing that lifts it up. And if all I'm doing is sitting there by myself, drawing these out, how much, how much self-awareness do we each have to be confident that I know what I'm writing down here? Um, my wife's laughing at that point. Um, But the reality is, is there's a second step to it. And when you're going through this process, when they talk about this this evidence, this ikigai process, is fear. Because again, if I'm limiting it to just me, all the doubts are mine, all the fears are mine, all the uncertainties are mine. So imagine filling that chart out instead of me going and asking a friend, would you fill this out and how does it look for me? You think it'd be different? Absolutely it would. And so that's where, again, there's this challenge of we've got to raise it up to a higher plane. We have to add to this not just our thoughts, but look for God's values. What does God say he has for us in this? So this is one of those lessons, again, that you have to be careful when you start studying all this. You start, I told Lisa three times, I'm quitting my job. 
I'm going to go do something else. And uh, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but you have to look at your life and say, okay, if I've done this diagram, the things I'm good at, the things that I bring value, what I'm going to get paid for and what the world needs, how often does it really show up in my life daily? You know, if you start doing that assessment, you start saying, what do I do each morning that really shows I'm living to these values in this chart? And that's why this is not just an afternoon, just don't take 30 minutes and try to do this. This is something that's kind of a soul-searching process. So if I know there are certain values that I have and God has given me and ingrained in me through the Holy Spirit things that I should follow, how do I follow through and make sure they're attached to this? And I want to just spend some time in talking about a couple of different ways. Number one, that we may not be walking through it, but also ways we can get back to walking through God's purpose for us. Uh, one of the quotes I read that I wanted to share with you, you can come to understand your purpose in life by slowing down We've been talking about being present, right, the last few weeks, by slowing down and feeling your heart's desires. And again, this quote was secular, but I love when people start writing about your heart's desires and thinking about Holy Spirit's impact on you. It's just so cool to see that God really knows that. So what is my purpose? Where, where do I fit in? And if anybody is sitting there going, you know, I get up and I just feel this sense of purposelessness. I don't know if that is really a word, but a lack of purpose, how's that? It's frustrating. I look around every day, I see friends and coworkers living passionate, engaged, meaningful lives. They have these deep relationships and these rewarding jobs and the sense of direction. All my friends have it because I see it online, right? <laughs> Everything they do, it's perfect. And yet my world is not that way. And yet that's where we have to get real and say, maybe they're not living either in a, a purpose-driven life. Do we have to pay for that statement? Did I just say purpose-driven life? <laughs> but the thing that, before we go into the process, I want us to just all remember, somewhat like hope, God has something good for each and every one of us. We have to be reminded as we're talking about purpose, God doesn't celebrate and intend for us to live a life of drudgery. I know we all sometimes think that, but I don't see any proof that God wants that for us. We pull ourselves into that. Um, but when I started looking in the Bible for these verses, it's just talking about joy and purpose over and over and over. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So you've got these guidance from Acts. There's, there's Acts 20.24, 20, Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. See, he says he's not going to walk us into disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And I've got just several of them. Romans 14.8. I, I just won't go through all of them. But it's 
important that we look at the word and recognize God doesn't want us to be dragging through drudgery. Now, that doesn't mean life is going to be a party every day. It, the one article I was reading saying life won't be part a parade or a circus. And I'm thinking circuses aren't a happy thing necessarily for me. It's not just, but, uh, you know, it's, it, God doesn't want that for us. In Psalm 63, 7, David said, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing. Sorry, I will, I'll try to say it. In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. How many of you get up on a Monday, go to work, or go online, and you're singing for joy? How can we get to that place? What is it that we're missing to get that? And instead of wandering aimlessly, you're just you're making a joyful noise. It's what God says we should do, and it's what we should feel. But there are some signs in our lives that each and every one of us can turn and look to, to say, am I really living in God's purpose? And these are just some things that I think we want to take a little time to look at. God's good in all things, right? He works all things, including our life, to his purpose. Nothing can happen without God ordaining it. We all agree that? And in Psalm 57, 2, it says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. In Psalm 19, 21, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And this is where I start hitting a little bit of a conflict. God's purpose will prevail. He is going to do these things to fulfill me. What does my decision have to do with any of it? And it does matter. It, it does matter. And that's, that's one of those mysteries that's hard to understand. God establishes purpose for us. He knows the plans he has for us. But we also have the ability to make decisions to get there. And um, that's, I, I struggle with that one. Keith will explain that all if you need to call him or reach out to him. <laughs> but we can do we can choose to do things that will bring us more joy and to give us more sense of purpose, but even in those situations, do you really find God's purpose? So again, six things that just need to be mindful of, we need to be aware of. Number one, if you're not feeling like you're living a per, God's purpose life for you, you could just be living in sin. I mean, you really could just be doing something that is separate from and apart from what he wants from you. Um, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you what? Everything you need. So seek the kingdom of God. You can also, besides living in sin, you can also just lack joy and excitement. Um, if you wake up feeling apathy, dread, total boredom, you're probably not doing what God meant you to do. God has created you uniquely. This is in Galatians 5.22. And he has really good things planned for you. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy, right? If we're doing what he intends, we will feel joyful. So if you just lack it, you know, that's, that's somewhat our choice. There's going to be difficult times. Every one of us is going to face things that require patience and persistence. But if you can start your day saying, I am going to be joyful because I am an heir. 
Just again, being in that moment, reminding yourself. John Piper says in his book, Desiring God, the pursuit of joy in God is not optional. It's not an extra that a person might grow into after he comes to faith. It's who we're supposed to be. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I could be living in sin. I could be choosing to not be joyful. Joyful. I could just not feel much fulfillment in life. I could be just sitting there saying it just doesn't matter. We have to be doing things that are rewarding, meaningful, purposeful. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That would be a great reminder. From, from a job you're doing that taps into your skills and passions, from a relationship that involves giving and receiving, from hobbies that are invigorating instead of mind-numbing, we will have to do things that are boring. Um, they may be unfulfilling, but if you're walking around feeling like your whole life is gray, something needs to change. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. You work so you don't have to work. This one was number four, and boy, this one was convicting to me. You know the feeling of pointless work. You go to the office, you clock in, you do your job, you go home and collapse in front of the television. And again, normal world, we go home. We just stay at home and collapse in front of the television. You work for the weekends and work for retirement. All true joy you experience comes from things outside of work from hobbies or friends or side jobs. Now, if that's where you're pulling your energy from, you're missing something. And again, I wanna be very careful here. Anybody online, number one, if anybody I work with online, I love my job, um, but, any, but anybody online, anything that you're thinking, I'm not saying walk away from what you've got. That's not the message here. It's, that's not what God's saying to us. It's saying evaluate where you're at because it's you. Um, you know, my job has days, every one of you has a job. There's a reason they pay us. But is there not an opportunity to spread God's love in the job you have every day? Going to the grocery, pumping gas, whatever it is, there's an opportunity Ecclesiastes 8.15 says, And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. It's a verb. Be joyful. It's something you do. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under his son. So ask yourself, is this type of joy how I characterize my work? Is this how I am as a father or a husband? Am I walking through with joy in all that I do? And if not, think about it. Be aware of it. The fifth thing that could be a warning is you feel stuck. 
You're just sitting there thinking, I am spinning my wheels. That's a pretty good sign that you're not walking God's purpose. Those who are stuck want to go in a particular direction, but you don't know how to get there. Maybe that's because God doesn't want you going that way. There's a reason he has you spinning your wheels. You feel frustrated and unsure how to make the frustration end. Ask God, is this the right direction? You may be interested in seeing different paths open up. And speaking of direction, if you have no direction, that's like the last thing here that says you may not be walking in God's purpose. If you feel a sense of aimlessness, you're just wandering from thing to thing with no specific goals, and this is, this is the, again, a convicting, step, convicting statement for me because I'm sitting here trying to set a goal for a team just to say it's the same goal we had the year before and the year before. It's, what's the point? Um, even the Israelites who wandered for 40 years had a goal, right? They were looking for the promised land. So what's your goal? What are you looking for? So we've got to go to God, and since I gave you six reasons and signs that you may have lost your purpose, I'm going to give you seven on how to regain it, right? One extra. So you may be feeling like you're wandering without true purpose. You, it, it's important to realize that doesn't mean you're lost. Um, you can get your sense of purpose the same way that hope. This is something instilled in us. God has it in his great plan. Purpose exists in our great plan. And as I go into the seven items, again, it's just one of those things that it just kind of happens this way, and thank you, God, it does. But two of the things I've mentioned in every one of these sessions that we've gotten together, and it involves prayer and God's word. And uh, those are easy, right? Back to the Sunday school answers. But the first one is go to God in prayer. It's obvious. But James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. That's great news. Think about that. He wants to give you a purpose. He wants to bestow knowledge and wisdom upon you. Each and every one of us, it says in his word, he's not holding out to make us miserable. It's just not who our God is. So ask him, pray to him, what is my purpose in life? And then secondly, dig into God's word. The primary way God speaks to us is through the Bible. You know, if, if, if you feel like I just need to have a sense of what the purpose is. Start digging into scripture and looking at it. Now, I did find out there are no verses that talk about being a creative dancer. I thought maybe that was something that I needed to do. Or a painter. I didn't see that. No, there's no, there's not a lot of things. That, my gymnastic days are over. I know, I know. But um, you have to look at the verses from the perspective of God where should I walk? And this is where Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He gives us the path in his word. He tells us where we should be going. To live, guide, uh, sorry, to live wisely in God's world, that's the first step toward finding your purpose. The third thing, determine your gifts and your strengths. Maybe you're a math whiz, or you're good at giving counseling. Maybe you're good with electronics or business. Maybe you're great at organizing people and getting things done. God's purpose 
probably involves the things you're good at. So what are you good at? Ask that question. Then the fourth one is determine your passions. And this is kind of interesting how it falls in line again with the, the uh, Venn diagram that I gave you. It, it all still connects, but what are your passions? What is the thing that you get really fired up? And it could be anything, business, art, economics, alleviating poverty, feeding people. If money isn't an issue, what would you do? When was the last time you asked yourself that? If it didn't matter, what would you do? Because that's the passion. Now you then fix, fit it into everything else in God's plan for you, but ask that question, what, do I, what would I do if it didn't matter? And it'll help you figure this out. It's said that God works at the intersection of our gifts and our passions. Those two things combined. So where do they meet? The fifth one is, and again, this is one we've talked about a little bit before, is bring others into your life. If you're trying to find purpose, reach out for counsel. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. One of the main ways God will help you find your purpose is through others. And the only thing that I say here is be very careful who you're talking to to seek that guidance. You know, it should be somebody you trust. It should be, you know, a parent, a friend, a spouse, colleagues, mentors, people that you see them walking in their life, not just their postings on social media, but who are walking in their life in a way that they're displaying and demonstrating that joy you want to feel. You want wise counselors to help you find God's purpose for you. And then the, the interesting contrast is after you reach out to other people and get somebody else to give you guidance, then you want to take a moment of solitude. Just go somewhere and be alone. This doesn't mean you have to go to the wilderness and hide away for a week, but just get away from life for a minute and, and spend a little time saying, God, what do you want from me? What can I do to bring glory to you? During this time, you know, it talks about journaling and praying and just being silent. It's, it's being in that moment and getting out of somebody else and everything else that pulls you. Allow yourself to be still, to ponder. That's a word that I don't think any of us do very often. Ask for God, ask God for direction and listen to his voice. It doesn't have to be an elaborate ritual. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 is a reminder that God always rewards those who seek him. Anyone that comes to him, he rewards. He wants to guide you. And this is the seventh one, and this is the big one. In the end, trust God. Everything that I've been talking about as we've been looking at a new year and trying to say what's the future gonna hold, it comes back to faith and trust. And that's, that's what it's about. It's just trusting and knowing this is a God who cares for us. He wants good for us. You can trust he will lead you where you need, he wants you to go, right? But you have to trust him. You may feel confused, but God isn't. And that's just a great reminder. Philippians 4, 13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And when it comes to your future, I've seen this written a couple of places, and I really like it. When it comes to your future, God's not looking for your capability. He's looking for your availability. It's you coming to him and saying, what can I do? Isaiah 40, 27 through 31, 
And I'm just gonna, you know, oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard, have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's pretty inspirational if you think about it. There's, there's the thing that's going to put joy in you. So, you know, we've talked about things that may be a measure of where you're not in his purpose. We've talked about some things you can do. Um, one of the things that jumped out to me is sometimes we sit here and say, I can't follow God's plan because I'm not worthy. You know, where we start beating ourselves up and we questioning our ability. And... Um, I think uh, God doesn't mean for me to do that great thing because I'm not a great person. I don't have that gift. And I need to get myself right. I need to get all sin out of my life. I need to become righteous. I need to become more holy in order to be the vessel that he uses. Um, you got to go back then and ask yourself a question. How did God create me? Did he know when he made me who I was, where I was going to falter, where I was going to be perfect, and where I was going to be flawed? He did. And so if I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to fix myself to where I'm worthy of being in God's purpose, we're all going to be waiting a while, right? It's back to again. This can't come from here. It's got to come from him. We don't have to be perfect to walk into God's plan. And really, the worst part of who we are may help contribute to the plan he has for us. Our shame, our failures, our weaknesses, he knows them all. But if we're sitting there walking and burdening that on ourselves more and more and more, we're not looking to step out. We're just sitting there burying ourselves deeper in the hole we're in. So as you begin to realize that God's plans are even for the imperfect, you know, we also have to realize God loves this mess the way it is. He loves you the way you are. And in his plan, he knew you were going to be where you're at at this moment. So he still has a plan for you. Your, your relationships aren't broken too far for Jesus to help you. Your anxiety that you struggle, struggle with doesn't intimidate him. He knows he can overcome it. The dream you tried and failed won't embarrass him. You know, all those fears that I was talking about earlier, they're us. They're not him. He's ready to use and heal all our messes. And it starts coming to him with this sense of belonging and approaching him in prayer and thinking about his plan with a new perspective, one that knows nothing's impossible for him. You can't define your purpose until you recognize it isn't your purpose. It's his purpose for us. And that means we have to trust him. Goes back to that. God's plan is to make you and your future even better than it is right now. But first you must realize that you belong in that future and be ready to bring your weaknesses to him. So I'm sure at this 
point in time, we've all determined what our purpose is for 2021 and our goal and our, you know, just what the answer is, right? God has a plan for us, and that specific plan, regardless of what we do to it, all comes back to Jesus. Um, Romans 12, 9 says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Cling, that, that word means cling to what is good. So let's hold to that plan that God had for us for relationship and what we're supposed to do and the fact that there is something for us and never let it go. Don't let the enemy convince you you don't have a place with him and in his plan because that's what he wants to do. So if we're speculating what 2021 is going to be like, I started thinking about um, something we've told our kids over the years, and we've, you know, I've heard it in different safety demonstrations and everything else. When you're in a strange area at night, they give you some basic guides and things to think about. You know, you're walking through a, a dark parking lot. You're somewhere that you're not familiar with, and you're feeling uncertain. There are three things that they kind of say to you are the basics and the first one is walk with others. You know, if you can get a bunch of people around you, then you're going to be a little bit more secure. So think about that. Walk with others. Surround yourself with friends and caring people. That will help you find purpose. The second one is don't burden yourself with too many things. If you're walking around carrying packages and these things around, you can be, you're, you're much easier target, right? So as I'm going into 2021, I've got to let go of some of my burdens. I've got to let, so, let go of some of this stuff that's weighing me down to give me the freedom to be able to respond. And then the third one they say is if you're in a parking lot or somewhere and you're walking, walk with purpose. They, they're less likely to go after somebody who is walking in a straight line towards where they're supposed to be with intensity. And think about that in our life. If we're walking into a new year where we don't know what the future holds, are we approaching 2021 with a sense of purpose? In uh, Timothy 6, 11 through 16, this is again a message to Timothy saying you're a God, you're a man of God, so run from all these evil things. And then that next phrase says, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and general gentleness. And as we're looking at an uncertain place, an area that we're not familiar with in this new year, we've got to focus on these things. I, um, in putting this group together, I just, in these series of lessons, Psalm 23, one through six has been the one I've gone back to. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And that's just, you know, the one that I've kind of been interested in how it pulls so many pieces when you talk about fear, when you talk about planning. It, it gives you this reminder that God's with you. And the phrase in Psalm 23, one through six that speaks to this, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. So your Sunday school answer that I get, and I think we can all take, is what is my purpose? Bring honor to his name. And that's what I kind of walked away from this going, okay, it's, I, I see it. 
what I do, what I build, what I focus my time and energy and everything else, is it bringing honor to his name? And, uh, it, you know, it's just part of the process. We're not going to find this overnight. We're not going to find it alone. And he, ha- he has the plan. We've just got to get him involved in it. Let's go to God in prayer if we can. Dear Lord, you just know what our purpose is. And you've planted it in each and every one of us here, each and every one online. But we just have to open up and trust you. We have to let you instill in us that direction. Pull us that might be struggling with where we're stuck, those of us that are wandering aimlessly, those that just are uncertain. Just God, just grab us out of that, pull us up, and remind us that we are your chosen, no matter how flawed, no matter how imperfect. And even, Lord, I think about those that are perfect because I see everything they do online. They just look amazing. You still have a plan and a purpose for them and me. You have it for all of us. We just have to be available. And as I think about a new year, I can't help in my broken mind sometimes to look back at the year behind and say, boy, I did all this wrong, or I missed this opportunity, or I could have done this better. God, just get Satan out of my head. Get him out of our hearts. Get him out of our minds. Get that noise away from us, Lord, and let us just feel your presence and your hand pulling us forward, guiding us, lighting our path and what we should do. For that, Lord, we're so thankful. We're just thankful that you stay true to your word and you never waver and you want nothing but the best for us. And that's your promise. And to live a life where we demonstrate the understanding of that promise and trusting in you, Lord, that's the purpose that we each should have. Whatever it's defined as individually, that's the purpose. I pray for each and every one here, each and every one online. Thank you, God, again, for the blessings. Amen.